We officially welcome you this morning. It's so good to have you guys today on uh, this Sunday, October the 7th, 2018. Uh, as it was mentioned, fall has come, but the temps have not. Uh, but I'm looking ahead, and it looks like they're going to come around the corner here soon, which would be really nice. Listen, let's open up our Bibles this morning to... We're going to be in the Old Testament for our main text. It's going to be the book of Zechariah. It's a book I don't go to hardly too often, but if you're not sure where that's at, if you'll go to Matthew and then go back, yeah, Matthew, and then go back two books, you'll, you'll skip back past Malachi and then you'll get to Zechariah. And we're going to be in chapter 4 this morning. If you just give up altogether on trying to find it in your Bible, you can follow on the screen uh, with us this morning. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah, just to give you a quick backdrop here. Zechariah is a prophet and a priest to the people of Israel. They had just come out of exile to Babylon, uh, from Babylon, and the Lord was bringing them back. And they were sort of, if you want to say it this way, they were coming out of their ashes and rebuilding and reestablishing life again. And, and, and through that time of exile, they, they, uh, they faced a lot of difficulties, some hardships, uh, some grief, some loss, some heartbreaks, uh, experiencing some hopelessness. It was a dark time for them. And, uh, but the Lord was bringing them back, and he was, and he was uh, one of the parts of their responsibility in coming out of exile was to rebuild the temple. And, uh, and so that was a big task. That was a big uh, part of, of their responsibility because the temple was not just a building. As Thomas exhorted us at the very, very beginning of today's worship service, that church is not just for his people. Church is for God and for God to be lit up and for him to show up and for him to show himself as to who he is. Not just so we can say, I had a good time, but so we can say, God and I connected, and God has my heart. God has my life. And so this whole part about them rebuilding the temple was so that God could once again say, I am the light of the world, and I am the light in my people, and my people will be lights for me. And so we pick, pick up here in this chapter, chapter 4, and he has a vision. It says this, verse 1, it says, Then the angel who had been talking with me returned and woke me, as though I had been asleep. Everybody say, woke. What do you see now, the angel asked. And I answered, I see a solid, I don't know why that keeps doing that. I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl of oil on top of it. Around the bowl are seven lamps, each having seven spouts with wicks. And I see two olive trees one on each side of the bowl. And then I asked the angel, what are these, my Lord? What do they mean? Verse 5, he said, don't you know? No, my Lord, I don't. Verse 6, he said, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. He brings the name of Zerubbabel into the mix because of this. Zerubbabel was a leader amongst God's people in this time frame. And he was one who had influence. He was the one God had raised up amongst the people to say, hey, 
Let's do what God's calling us to do. You know, every now and again, you've got to have a Zerubbabel in the mix of the crowd. That it's not just the priest's responsibility. Come on, it's not just the pastor's responsibility. It's not just the worship leader's responsibility. It has to be the ownership of the people. And every now and again, you've got to have some Zerubbabels rise up and say, we're going to do what God has called us to do. Amen. And so he says, this is what he says to Zerubbabel. The Lord says this, that it is not by force. It is not by strength, but it is by my spirit. In other translations, you might remember it this way. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Verse 7, nothing, not even a, a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way, and it will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone, I'll just call him Z, and when Z sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout. When the final stone of the temple is rebuilt and in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. Verse 10, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. To see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand, in Z's hand. It says the seven lamps represent the eyes of the Lord that search all around the world. Let's pray over this word. Heavenly Father, we're here today in your presence and we are thankful you are here with us. Thank you for connecting with us. Thank you for drawing us. Thank you for bringing us. Thank you for waking us. Thank you for being all that you are to us today. And now we want to hear what you have to say. Speak to us, Lord. You've already been speaking to us in different ways through different people this morning. Speak to us now as we open your word, O oh God. Let it be life to our souls. Let it be light to our spirits. Let it be direction to our lives. We honor you and we thank you for this now. Help us to hear it. Help us to listen. Help us to receive it, O oh God, and then help us to go out and live it in Jesus' name. I'm going to show, we're going to show a video. It's a video we showed last week, but we're going to show it again today. Many were out, not able to see it, and it's a very good video. We wanted to, wanted to preface today's message, and when I, this video is over, I'm going to come back and I'm going to finish preaching the title of this message called Out of the Ashes as it pertains to our 20-year vision. Let's take a look. So church, 40 years ago, this whole thing started in a living room with a handful of people. And now we are here where we are today. And we're talking about planting more churches, planting more campuses. That's crazy, but it's God's thing. And it's not my thing. I just get to be a part of what he wants. And I hope you get to, you will continue to take this journey with us as we move forward and set our sights on what lies ahead, having hope that rises up in our hearts. David said this, in, in Psalms, he said, I would have despaired unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Let not our hearts become despaired because we must believe that God is good and that he is over our life and he is in our life and he's working through our lives. That we have a great future ahead. 
Times can get tough at times. Seasons can become like that. But seasons start and seasons end. So whenever, wherever you find yourself today in this moment, in this season of life, I pray, it's our prayer, that you will have hope that God can give and only He can provide. We love you, church, and we look forward to what lies ahead. Bless you. I've been a member of this church for about 22 years. Um, can't see myself anywhere else. When I first, it was in 96 when I came um, through the prompting of my sister uh, to come to the church. And um, I'd been out of church for quite a while. I had heard so many camp camps that, I, you know, I just needed, needed to be away from that. Uh, just I was a rebel without a cause, so so to speak. I came, and I had never been in a place that I felt more welcomed, more at home, more loved than I had felt here. My name's James, and this is my wife Megan, and we've been coming here to New Life for about uh, going on coming up on three years. This church has been an in instrumental part in. My transformation and walk with the Lord. Three years ago, there, there was just a culmination of events of, of some chaos in my own life, and uh, the Lord, unknowingly to me, led us to this church. Hi, I'm Lindsay Young, and I am an assistant pastor here at New Life Church. I am 36 years old, and I came to New Life Church for the very first time back when it was Jackson Family Worship Center when I was 12. So I have been a part of New Life Church. 24 years. I came and I had this wonderful group of women who were strong, powerful leaders. And I had a chick youth pastor and some amazing chick youth leaders who really showed me that I could do anything that I wanted to do in the kingdom of God. And I just kind of stuck around and they couldn't really get rid of me. And so eventually I became a youth leader. And then almost 10 years ago, right at now, about the nine-year-ago mark, I came on as full-time youth pastor. Hi, my name is Laureen Robinson Crone. I've been a member here probably over 20 years. I'm not really sure about when year. I just remember my son, Mike Robinson, coming to me and saying, Mom, I want you to come and check out this church we've been going to. I think they're the real deal. So I started coming here and really, really found my niche in the world of uh, Jesus Christ. Found that this was the real deal. I was actually being fed. Um, I learned a lot more about what my place was in the kingdom of God. Uh, I watched my grandchildren grow up here. My name is Amber Dominguez and I started coming here when it was Family Worship Center and they were on North Parkway in 2012. I currently serve during setup on one Sunday a month and I also work with the kids which I love doing. So when I first found um, Family Worship Center it was um, a blessing to me and it truly changed my life and it changed my children's lives and my husband's life and um, they treated us like family from the very beginning. They taught us things that we didn't know and 
they were there from the very beginning, um, leading us for a deeper walk with Jesus. Hi, I'm Cindy Wise. Um, I've been a member of New Life Church uh, roughly basically since I've been born. Uh, my parents, before they got married, uh, they decided that they were going to come find a church. So once they got married, they came and they just fell in love with it. So uh, church has been a really big part of my life just since birth until now. And so recently, as in like the past four years ago, I joined the worship team and that's been super awesome. Uh, God's just really been able to work through me with that and just expand and kind of broaden like just to see what he can do. Just the youth group in general has really impacted us. It's like, it's made us all like a really tired family and it's allowed us to like have accountability with one another to where we have awesome leaders within it and um, just a great like unity with us to where if I feel like I'm having a bum day that I have, I know that I have people to go to besides my family to um, have be an accountability partner with me for that. So that's been really cool. Hi, my name is Elizabeth Varghese. I've been going to New Life since I was about five or six came here when our church that my dad and a few other people started shut down and we church hopped for a while and finally ended up here. I am involved with the dance team and I work in the nursery and I am involved in the youth group. My dad is a worship pastor. Um, I've met a lot of good friends here and oh, that will probably last me the rest of my life. They've stuck with me through thick and thin. My youth pastor, Lindsay, has been right by my side through every problem I've had and has pushed me to stay motivated and just stay to walk in love and to walk in light of God no matter how much I want to or don't want to. Though we have changed through the years and we've had a lot of different names and um, a lot of different people come and go, um, everyone's still in my heart everyone has had an effect in my life and I know that God placed them there they placed them he placed them there for not just to be in um, uh, his house but also in the lives of other people including mine and um, they've all had a great effect in my life so when we first came here we had come out of a, another church um, that just actually happened to kind of just dissolve and, and it was a, a God thing because he already had it planned out for us to be here and so um, when we got here the church was um, praying for us um, which was really cool yeah, the, the church was praying yeah. for um, somebody who could run the sound somebody who could um, play drums somebody who could um, help some with worship and um, a, sound so, a sound system like all this stuff that God just lined up for us and so we didn't know that but when we got here God was like okay, this is where you're supposed to be. Now, at that point, I was still working a full-time job and doing youth pastor, but a few years ago, I was able to come on staff at the church, and that was a pretty special moment to be able to get to a place where I was able to full-time dedicate my life to the church that had dedicated itself to me and me growing as a person and growing into who God has called me to be. I'm excited about the future of New Life Church. I have great hope and expectation for what's to come. I feel very privileged to be able to say that I've been around long enough that I remember setting up burlap walls on Party Alley at 13 and then moving over to 1340 North Parkway to a nice pretty building and then being able to transition here and do the next thing that God has for us. Working with these children, it's just, it's a blessing to your soul. You don't even realize how much that 
you know, that they help you. Even if you're older, you think, well, I've never worked with kids before. There's places in New Life Kids that you can serve, and these kids, you know, will touch your heart, and um, you just can't help but to love them, and they're, they're amazing. Other things that have also impacted me have been, especially like Miss Lindsay as our youth pastor, um, she's just done a really good job of like just kind of being in my face about it and making sure that like I'm aware of all the serving opportunities that I have to where I can't decide that like, oh, I don't really know where to serve because our church does a really good job of like letting young people um, serve in any capacity that they feel comfortable in. And whether that's nursery or like when you get older to join the worship team and stuff like that or even audiovisual, which is like super awesome that um, our church allows you um, as a young person to be able to jump right into that and learn and not um, discount you just because you're a child. And so I think that's really awesome. When I lost my brother back in January, it is very rare to find a church that will be genuine in your happiness and genuine in your sorrows. Whenever he passed away, people immediately were at our house cleaning, cooking for us. After the madness died down and it wasn't as big as a deal anymore or it wasn't as recent, people were still aware that we were grieving and that we were going through things every single day and we had to deal with birthdays and holidays and family traditions that he wasn't going to be there for anymore. And um, they've acknowledged that and have continued to pray with us and sit with us and let us cry on them and encourage us through all of that and that's a very special thing to me and it's a very rare, rare quality in a lot of churches today. Our pastors, Jeremy and Haley Smith. Haley has been my youth leader um, when I came to this church. I remember her first date with Pastor Jeremy. I remember going on mission trips with them I remember being super sad when she got married and moved away and being super excited when they came back to be a part of our church. And I've seen them walk through really hard things. I've been blessed to be able to celebrate big moments of their life and see God do amazing things in their family. And I get the privilege every day to serve alongside two of the greatest people that I know. I love Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Haley. And um, they just truly don't know how much that they've changed my life. That young man is exceptional. He is a bright star for God and um, can do some of the best uh, Billy Bob Thornton impressions uh, I have ever seen and make you really laugh, um, all the while showing you what true grace is all about. and. Um, I adore him, and I adore Haley, and they are a tremendous part of my life, and they love me, and they hold me up in prayer, and I know that, and I hold them up in prayer. Thank you for being a part of the journey so far. Thank you for entrusting yourself to Haley and I to be your pastors and the other leaders who helped make this happen. We certainly don't pretend to think we know it all or do it all by ourselves because we know that's not true. We have a whole host of folks who circle around us and circle with us to help make this dream and this vision come to pass. Speaking of dream and vision, that's what we're looking ahead for as a church. Uh, 40 years uh, this fall now, we're 40 years old as a church. Four years old as New Life Church, but we're looking ahead for the next 20 years. And so 
Uh, by the time I turned into my early to mid-60s, I want to see a whole lot of great things take place uh, through the help and the hand of God uh, as He leads us and has definitely showed Himself strong to us and what He has laid out before us as a church body and a church ministry. And so it's exciting as to what lies ahead. I have a huge heart to see so many people become disciples of Jesus and then those people help disciple other people. Paul talks about this in 2 Timothy and he challenges his protege Timothy, a young pastor uh, in a church, a pretty large church, uh, to, to get him to understand that it doesn't just stop with him, nor does it just start with him, but it's try to get the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus and the gospel of grace into so many different lives, especially into four generations. And Paul out, outlines it very well with him. He says, you know, to encourage Timothy that as Timothy has seen Paul, his spiritual father, live for the Lord and has taught Timothy, Timothy do the same thing with other people and those other people do the same with other people. So you see four generations strong of discipling followers of Jesus Christ. That's really what's in my heart, what's in our, on the horizon for us as a church and as we move forward over these next 20 years is to become stronger and to become healthier and to become more intentional about discipling one another in this gospel of grace in Jesus Christ. And so I just want to encourage you as we take these next steps over the next several years moving ahead as God prepares us and, and propels us forward, we just pray that you will continue in the journey with us and that God has a place for you. God has a part for you to play. It's more than just sitting in a chair. It's becoming active on the field. And I so want to see that happen for you and all of you here today and all of you watching and seeing this video that you would become a part of all that God has for your life, for your family, your household, and, and all that God wants to do through your life here at New Life Church. Don't we have a cool church? This is a, this is a pretty special place, the people, you. It's pretty awesome. You know, just over four years ago, we recommitted ourselves to the gospel and the Great Commission to ensure that those things would flourish in and through our church. And um, it's, it's amazing to see that actually take place. You know, our biggest why... Uh, why we're here, why we exist, why we do what we do. It's, it's really about the preaching of the gospel and the pre, uh, perpetuation of the kingdom of God. Because when the gospel is preached and, and God's kingdom is, is lived out and passed on from generation to generation and person to person, then you see the person and the power of Jesus Christ come alive on the inside of someone. And when Jesus comes al alive on the inside of people, everything changes. New life emerges and new life flourishes. And uh, so today we're talking about out of the ashes 
Next week, I'll go ahead and tell you this. I'm planning to preach a message called Into the Harvest. So we're going out of the ashes and into the harvest. But there's three parts to this story right here in chapter 4 of Zechariah. Three parts to coming out of the ashes. The first part is this, is revelation, vision. You've got to have a vision. You've got to have revelation that there's life beyond the ashes. There's life beyond the dark places. There's life beyond the disappointing and discouraging parts of life. Those things hit, those things happen, but life is beyond that. And you got to get a vision for that. you got to have revelation and understanding that God calls us to rise out of the ashes of life. And so he gets this vision. Zechariah gets this vision, this revelation of this golden lampstand. And this golden lampstand has this bowl of oil on it with these seven lamps and these seven wicks around it. And on each side is, are these two um, trees, these, these two olive trees. And kind of looking into that, what does that really mean? And you can, you can fast forward over 500 years and you can jump onto the Isle of Patmos with John the Revelator, John the Apostle, and he has this vision as well. And he has this vision of these seven golden lampstands. And you find and you discover, discover there, the Lord says, those seven lampstands, those are seven churches. And so when you're looking at this vision of Zechariah, you see that God is really talking about his people. And so this, this, um, these lampstands, this lampstand that, that, that Zechariah sees is, is God's people. The oil is the Holy Spirit. The seven, lamp, the seven lights are, the, are the, um, it's the expression and the visibility of God himself there amongst his people. Always in position under the olive trees to receive the continuous supply of oil so that the light never burns out. And that was one of the responsibilities of the priest over the temple was to ensure that the light never went out. In other words, what God was showing Zechariah, one of the things he was showing him is this, this, you're coming out of ashes, you're coming out of darkness, you're reestablishing life again, and, and you're, you're, you're getting back to what I've called you to be and who, you, who I've called you to be and live this life with purpose that I've called you to live, and I'm going to be light in your life again. Uh, this temple will be built, this temple will be reestablished, but it won't just be a facade, it won't be brick and mortar, it won't just be something to look at, but it will be something to learn from and to receive from because I, the Lord, will live there and I will show myself my presence will be right in the very middle of you and out of you, you will supply strength and show light to the world and the dark places around you. In essence, that's what he was saying. Here's what the way Jesus says it in Matthew 16 out of the message translation. He says, I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to stop it. That's the way Jesus views his church, is that he says, I'm building and I'm putting together a church that will be so filled with me, that will be so fueled by my spirit, and will be such a bright light that hell, the darkest places of life, will not be able to stop what I am doing in my people. That is the kind of church Jesus is building. And so from generation to generation, over the span of time, the, those kinds of churches, those kinds of people that Jesus builds are the kinds that are filled with his spirit, filled with his light, filled with his love, so that they can be light in the dark places of this world. If, you ha if you've forgotten why part of the reason you exist, it's to be the light of God to a dark world. And Jesus says that's the kind of people 
that I am building. That is the kind of church I am building. Here's what he's saying to us as a church, New Life Church overall, collectively. He says, right here where you're at, I want to make a church that will make an eternal difference. Because when you get down to it, eternity is what is at stake. Eternity. So I want to make a church that will make an eternal difference. And the expression of God supplied by the Holy Spirit will so fill us and so fuel us to be the light of, of, of God to a dark world. And so wherever we go as his people, there will the presence of God be. Remember that where you go. Remember that where you, where you happen to go through the day, through the night, and through your life. So personally, what is he saying? He's saying this, that no matter how dark life can be at times that God wants to be a light in you. He wants to be the light on the inside of you. That here's the thing, we are not meant to stay in the ashes of life forever. God always calls us to rise out of those things. But here's the deal, you've got and we have to get a vision and a revelation that life is beyond where we might be. Church is beyond where we might be. That certainly over the history of our 40 years, we have gone through some dark places. We have gone through some challenging places. We have had to do things that we didn't think was in the plan of what our church was supposed to have to go through. But we went through them and we have been in a place of exile and a place of ashes for a season. But I believe, church, God is calling us out of the ashes and he's going to send us into the harvest field of this community and beyond. But the second thing... That, that comes to play in this story is confirmation. It's one thing to get a vision and get a revelation of, wow, God is calling me there. God wants to do this in my life. God uh, wants to breathe this into me. God wants to fulfill this into me. God wants to make this happen. But you also need some confirmation along the way to make sure, hey, you're going in the right direction, right? That, hey, you're stepping in the right places, confirmation and that's what Zechariah got he's he's having this conversation in the midst of this vision and revelation with God and he's like I don't understand it I don't I don't really get how it's going to happen how can I really be who you've called me to be anybody ever asked God that before God how can you really do what you want to do with me I don't get it because you see me you know me you, you, you feel me God you know what I'm about you see all my mess ups and my frailties and you want to do what with me God, you want to do what with this church? God, you want to expand your kingdom into four generations in our church and beyond? You want to plant churches out of us? You want to expand us in a way that makes no sense? Have you seen us? Have you seen where we came from? And, and Zachariah is kind of wondering, what, how, how are you going to accomplish this? And he gets confirmation, he gets a prophetic word there around verse 7 and 8. The answer comes. Not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by force, not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, the thing about Zechariah, and he's having this, and the Lord's talking to him, and he mentions Zerubbabel. I mentioned that earlier in the opening statements about this message. Zerubbabel, Z, leader of the people, influencer, one who calls people together to rally them to the cause and the, and, and the thing of, of the Lord. And his name, Zerubbabel, means sown in Babylon. That's what his name means, sown in Babylon. They were in exile in Babylon. 
Babylon representing a, a, a foreign world, but also a dark time in the life of God's people. And here is Zerubbabel, a leader and an influencer amongst the Lord's people. He was sown in darkness. But scriptures remind us in Psalm 30 that darkness endures for the night. Joy comes in the morning. Another psalm, it reminds us in Psalm 126 that though you may sow in tears, you will reap in joy. And so our life will always, go, our lives will touch ashes. Our life will touch darkness. Our life in a way that, that it happens around us and to us. But just like Zerubbabel who was sown in darkness, now he was about to reap in joy. Though he sowed his tears in a time of sadness, in a time of distraught, in a time of disappointment, in a time where he didn't make any sense, now the Lord was using him and bringing about a life change, bringing about a whole new purpose, bringing about a whole new beginning, bringing about a whole new fresh start, bringing about a whole new thing in his life. That sometimes in order to reap joy, you've got to sow in tears. Sometimes to appreciate the joy in the morning, you've got to endure the season of the night. I don't understand it, I don't know why, but that's just sometimes how life works. So how are you going to make this happen? Zechariah's asking, he says, the Lord says, well, it's not by your force, it won't be by your strength, it will be by my spirit that brings about the completion of my purpose for your life. For us as a church, the effort to bring about the desired results for us will not be by might or power, but will be by the Spirit. We won't have to manipulate it or force it in order to make it happen. Here's the thing about it. We just have to be obedient to what God has spoken. Obedience is the key. Obedience opens the door for God's Spirit to produce in us and to supply in us everything that we need. His Spirit is, will build us. His Spirit will frame us. His Spirit will sustain us to be who He's called us to be as lampstands in a dark city. But we have to be obedient to what God has spoken. We've received many, many, many multiple prophetic words over the last four and a half years, and many of them have a parallel and common thread in all of them, and that is the Lord will provide a place. You see, we didn't move here just so that we could, um, just so that we could, you know, start over, just so that we could eliminate debt. That was not the whole portion of that. We moved here because, one, God wanted us to move here, but secondly, in the move, he wanted our church to get healthy again. He wanted our church to get healthy on a lot of different areas and financially was one of them, spiritually was another, directionally where we're going, organizationally how we're set up and how we function and how we flow and how we help lead and take care of one another as a congregation, as a community of faith. And, and, and in that also, those prophetic words said that, hey, God will provide a place for us again. That there is a place we haven't inhabited, that, or that we haven't built, but we will inhabit. There are premium properties and premium facilities waiting for God's uh, finger to point and say, now's the time. Release it. It's for them. It's for New Life Church. It's for that congregation. It's for that set of people. And church, I don't know where that's going to be at yet. I, I, I'd like to tell you I knew right now, but I just don't know. But I tell you this, we believe God's word. And we will be obedient to his word, and we will be patient for his word to come to pass. 
And sometimes doing that is not easy. Waiting on God sometimes is not easy. Waiting on the Lord to come through on certain things is not always easy, but it is always well worth it when we don't force it, when we don't manipulate it, when we don't twist it, when we don't try to make it happen. We just exist in his will, and we are obedient to what he's spoken. So what does that mean for you as a, on an individual basis? What has God spoken to you? What has he shown you? What has he revealed to you? And that is what you have to stick to. That is what you have to be obedient to. For your own life, life down the road, life in, in what God has, what, what has he shown you, what has he spoken to you, you've got to stick to it. You've got to be obedient to it. Don't, don't, don't put yourself out there to go to the left or the right. Don't make yourself twist it, manipulate it, and, and try to force anything to happen just because you think it should happen right now. Right? Just because you think it should have happened yesterday. There are doors waiting to be open, but they must wait to be open at the right time. You can go to the right door at the wrong time and it be the wrong thing. Because it wasn't the right time. Timing of the Lord is everything. If you really believe, if we really believe that God really is the author and the finisher of our faith, that he's the Alpha and the Omega, he's the beginning and he's the first and last, don't you think he knows everything that should happen in between? He absolutely does. He absolutely knows it all. But you've got to trust him. What has he said to you? What has he shown you? What has he spoken to you? And then just be obedient to it. Scripture says obedience is better than sacrifice. Be obedient and you want the sacrifice having to come back and make up for something. Just let God do it. Obey his word. Lastly, the third part of this whole thing. You've got a revelation, you get a vision for what God wants to do, what God wants to produce in your life, what he wants to bring to pass, how he wants to use you. You get confirmation along the way, you're stepping in the right direction, you're going at the right pace, etc., etc., etc. Get reminders, hey, don't be in a hurry, don't make it happen, let the Lord bring things around, let him connect the dots, let him get the heart ready in the right person, and that's the right time, at the right time, he'll connect you with the right person, he'll connect you in the right place, things will fall in place, things will come together, but you also, as you're waiting on the Lord, and as you're trying to live this thing, you need some exhortation. You get revelation, confirmation. You need some exhortation to tell you you're going to make it. And that's really what the word exhort means. It means to strengthen and to build up. There's some times in your life when you're trying to work it and you're trying to go with it and you're trying to be faithful to the Lord that you need some people to come alongside of you and strengthen you and to build you up and tell you you will make it. That's really what that means. And so what does Zechariah get? He's, he's, he's like, God, how is this going to happen? How are you going to make this come to pass? How are you going to do that? Have you seen us? Do you see what we are like right now? I got people who quit on rebuilding your temple. I got people who were, who were with it, and then now today they're done. They're tired. They're, they're, they don't want to show up anymore. They don't want to come. They don't want to uh, uh, ante up again. They don't want to, you know, stick it out. They don't want to, they they're done. They're tired. They're, they're feeling a little hopeless. How are you going to make all this happen? And along comes the words, hey, do not despise the day of your small beginnings, because the Lord is rejoicing just to see the work begin. It's pretty exciting. 
it's pretty exhorting that God just wants to see you doing what he wants you to do. You don't have to be a master at it. You don't have to have all of the answers. You don't even know you don't even have to know what is around the corner or even you don't even have to know how it's going to be. I remember when I was in a place of life, I knew the Lord called me to serve him full time in in vocational ministry. And before I was offered my first full-time position that I started in February of 1998, at about November, I was trying to explain to somebody, I don't know how, I haven't got an offer, I haven't been told you might be considered for. I just felt like inside I was had this vision, I had this thing of understanding God wanted to use me here, he wanted to do this in my life, and that the timing was soon, and I got these confirmations along the way that I was just trying to be faithful and obedient at the moment, and I was trying to explain to somebody, I don't really have anything. I don't have a verbal. I don't have a phone call. Back then, you didn't get texts, and you didn't carry cell phones, at least unless you had some mount, a lot of money, and then you were carrying the brick cell phone. Some of you might have had those, those real huge brick cell phones. Um, and I was like, I don't know, but I just feel like if, I'll just, if I can just remain obedient where I'm at, the Lord's going to make something happen. And it wasn't less than a month later, I was approached by my youth pastor at the time, and he said, you know what, the pastor and I have been talking, and you've been in this internship program, and um, we just feel that it's time to go ahead and bring you on full time starting in the new year. Are you cool with that? I'm like, am I cool with that? You didn't see me last week when I was praying all by myself and I threw the Bible down on the floor and I told the Lord, God, stand on your word. Nobody was around me watching me. Nobody was looking at me and cheering me on and say, you go get it, big daddy. You take off with God. Nobody was cheering my name. You didn't see me last week when I was crying out to the Lord in a dark and lonely place and I was trying to figure out, God, can you really do what you want to do in my life? I don't know what else to do, but I'm standing on your word, literally standing on your word. If you're going to make it happen, God, then you've got to make it happen. You didn't see me last week, Pastor, when I was praying and crying and trying to figure out, do you really want to use this lonely little fella from Collierville who doesn't believe in himself, who doesn't think anybody believes in him, who went through hell as a child? Do you really want to use a young man like me? I don't even know how to answer that, but God, I believe you, and I stand on your word. I don't know what to do. You didn't see me last week when I was all by myself, and I was praying to the Lord. And I was trying to figure out as a young man, a broken down man, can you provide for me if I say yes to you? He gives you a car. You didn't know how he was going to give you a car. Dude just got a car this weekend, gifted to him. How are you going to make it happen when you're obedient to the Lord and you're steadfast in what he's called you to do? He will always make a way when there seems to be no way. And that's all I was doing was standing on my living room floor on the Bible. And I still got that Bible. It's in my office. And it's still held together somehow. And they said, are you cool with coming on full time? I said, yes. 
I didn't think about that anymore. I just said, yeah, I didn't even ask how much I was going to get paid. I just, found, I just heard that the pastor was talking about wanting to use me and made a place for me. And that was over 20 years ago. You need some exhortation along the way. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but some of you, your life has been dark and you've been trying to figure out Will it ever come around? When will be my time? When will be my day? When will I get the call? When will I get the text? When will I get the nod? When will somebody appreciate me for who I am? When will somebody rally around me and say, yes, yes, you got it, you got it. There's always a host in the heavenlies, and they know what you're going through. And, and, and the thing that the enemy is after is the destiny of design that God has put on the inside of you. And the only way he can rip that out of you is if you stop being obedient to what the Lord wants to do in your life. Exhortation. To strengthen you. To build you up. I didn't have any plans of shouting like that today. I really didn't. I guess I've been a little subdued here lately. <laughs> but just to echo that guy on the, on the video earlier, he said, I would have despaired. This is what David said in Psalm 27. I would have despaired unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's important you get that part, in the land of the living of the living on this side of eternity I would have despaired unless I just believed to see the goodness of God come to pass in my life friends God's goodness wants to come to pass in your life but you got to believe the Lord you need to get a vision for where he's calling you you need to Get some obedience in your step and stick with it. Just even when it gets hard, that's not the time to, you know, fizz out, make excuses. Too, ch too challenging, too hard to make it happen. No, be obedient, stick it out, keep going, grit and grind, grit and grind, grit and grind, and you'll see the grace. He'll, you'll see the grace, and he'll help you keep the pace. That's pretty cool, and I'm not Al Sharpton. And lastly, live by faith. We walk by faith and not by, oh, if I could just get my 27-year-old saved self. I've only been saved 27 years. If I could just get this 27-year-old saved self to remember, you walk by faith, not by, can we stand? Because we got communion to come to today. And really, that's what this whole table is about. It reminds us. It reminds us that Jesus broke himself. He broke himself so that we could be made whole. That the brokenness you experience, the brokenness we experience, Jesus consumed it when he broke himself for us. 
giving us the promise that every time we eat this bread, we remember, I don't have to live broken. I don't have to live in ashes. I can live whole. And then when you partake of the cup, the cup of the new covenant, he said, this is my blood that I shed for your forgiveness. I don't know, does anybody like to be forgiven for something you did wrong? Yeah. You like somebody to pardon your way? You like somebody to tell you, you know, it's all good, bro. It's all good, bro. I don't hold it over you. I don't hold it against you. It's all good. Now let's get on with it. And that's what Jesus is saying. Let's get on with living for him. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The word was God. You are the word. And your word is alive and active and working in lives. And today I pray it works deep in us. And I pray we take part of your word, Lord, that tells us to remember Jesus. Every time we eat the cup, eat from the bread and, and drink from the cup, we do it in remembrance of him. Not just because to fulfill a religious sanctity and duty, but to suck the life out of it, to, to, to drain the life from to just welcome the life that Jesus gives us. An abundant life. You're calling us to move forward. You're calling us to look ahead. You're calling us to have a vision for what is ahead of our life. And today I pray, give it to us, Lord. Help us to walk towards it in obedience. And help us to live this life by faith. Even on days, even on days when we don't feel like it. Push us. Pull us. Send somebody our way to exhort us, to tell us you're going to make it and you're going to do it and it's going to be worth it in Jesus name. Amen.